Hi friends, this is Griffin. This week on School Jack, Clinton Chad check in on their New Year's resolution. Tries to figure out how to inspire the unmotivated student and share what's going on in their lives in Dad Chat. Okay, enjoy the episode and make sure your taxes are done. Hello, loyal listeners. Happy Tax Day. This is Clint. Coming to you from Roanoke, Virginia, and getting ready to do spring break right by flying to Cancun and having a wild time. And this is Chad from Astoria, Oregon. And Clint, you are not doing that. That's true. But this is Schoolja. Yep, the podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. And corny puns. We just can't resist a quality dad joke. Although I would tell you one that I heard about paper, but it's terrible. (laughs) Always funny. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers and everyone else tell your friends find as fun and interesting as the teachers lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. Teachers don't complain, but we do cry. Just lots and lots of (laughs) crying. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, So, Clint, believe it or not, it's already April, and even the end of the school year is kind of sort of in sight. I know, it's awesome. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we have a little accountability session we need to go through. Yeah, yeah. So if you listen to our January 6th episode, you know we made a few New Year's resolutions, and we even said in that episode we'd check back in April to see how we were doing with those new goals. So it's either time to boast or come clean that we've been failures. Chad, why don't you go first? One of the goals I I talked about was having more shark habits. And just real quickly, the idea of a shark habit is taking care of things right away instead of putting them aside just to make sure that A, they get done, but also it isn't something that kind of continues to wear on your mind. I think I've done a little bit better job of this. It's definitely been something that I've been more aware of. We talked about in, in the January episode that when you get something out of your box in the main office that needs to be signed or that needs to be filled out, instead of taking it back up to your room, just take care of it right away and get it where it needs to go. I... I can't say I've been doing that necessarily, but I'm definitely more aware that I should be. So, for example, when I grab that thing out of the box, I'm like, "Mm, Chad, you really should fill this out. But then I don't. (laughs) I'm still working on that one. Uh, I'm getting there. Good. So the second one was trying to be more prepared when I leave school each evening, basically to be ready to start the day the next day. So I don't feel like I have to come in in the morning and take care of last minute business. And one of the things I'm doing a much better job of is I've started a to-do list for my prep time. It's just sitting in one spot on my desk. And every time I have a thought, I just write it down of this is something I need to make sure I'm doing during my prep. Because sometimes, as you know, your prep period comes along and you know you have a lot of things to do, but sometimes I just forget. I'm just like, man, I know I had a ton of things to do and I can't think of one of them right now. So um, this little checklist I'm using really seems to be helpful as I leave each day. And then the last thing for me was uh, we talked about my woodworking business and trying to kind of expand that and grow that. And shortly after we had our January episode, I did open my web store at chatterboxes.com. And so that, that was a really big step for me. And then I have done so many new projects and just different things that are kind of out of the box for me. I'm starting to really get into recycling cycled skateboard woodworking, which is a ton of fun. I'm definitely meeting that goal and and, uh, our farmer's market uh, that opens up on Mother's Day this year. And so I'm excited to have a bunch of new products and kind of some exciting new things. Good for you. I love your web store. It looks awesome. Thanks, man. How are you doing with your goals? Uh, My first one was to explore continued education because for one thing, I need it to 
keep my teaching certificate. And for another thing, it's just good for me to do. And I have been doing that. Uh, I've been looking around online to find some different courses and actually just serendipitously a week or so ago, a advertisement for several different organizations for a relatively low price. I can take some classes and get some credits. So I'm pretty excited about that. My second one is to have students do more personal writing. Uh, <laughs> nope. Nope, didn't do that. My third one, the more personal one, was to read more books that I wanted to read for fun, and I kind of set my goal of reading more fictional books. And January and February, I did really well. And then in March, because we went to Disney World, I opened a biography of Walt Disney. And it's really interesting, but it's super long, and I'm still working my way through it. So it's been interesting to explore the psyche of such a bizarro man, but also a big influence on American culture today. So I've enjoyed it a lot, but no, I haven't read only fiction books, but still reading, still doing the things that I need to do. Yeah. I think, I think you're hitting that uh, goal. I definitely thanks. do. Thanks life coach. <laughs> well, you know, it seems like both of us are about two out of three. That's not bad. Which, uh, if we were baseball players, we'd be the, the greatest hitters of all time. That would be amazing. <laughs> so how are you guys out there doing with your new year's resolutions? We'd love to hear about them. You can always contact us on Facebook or Twitter at SchoolJapod. You can also send us an email at SchoolJapodcast at gmail.com. But now, let's take a quick break and hear a word from one of our very made-up sponsors. We've all been there. You're lecturing to a class of students and you deliver that perfectly timed and superbly phrased joke only to be met with dead silence from 30 blank stares. Or the day's lesson comes to its magnificent crescendo and you're expecting, or at least hoping, for a bunch of oohs and ahs, but instead are once again looking at a room full of unimpressed kids. You know, for years, these moments would sometimes take the wind out of my sails. Even just a few laughs from a couple kids probably would have been enough, but sometimes I'd get nothing. That's why I'm so excited to have found a Applaudable, the classroom laugh track that makes me feel like I'm doing a stand-up bit at a comedy club. Applaudable is awesome. It comes with a smart audio feature that recognizes jokes or puns or those anticipated moments of student excitement, and then it just blasts one of 100 different crowd noises appropriate for the given situation through its state-of-the-art classroom surround sound. Never again are my bad jokes being met with silence. Best of all, Applaudable only recognizes the teacher's voice, so class clowns and attention seekers get no recognition. And for a limited time, Applaudable is adding a two-minute long ovation that plays at the end of every class period, which we could all use from time to time. Am I right? So if your sensitive ego could use a little massaging, give Applaudable a try. You'll be glad you did. Applaudable. Because you're funny. They just don't know it. And we are back. Clint, after all your years of teaching, if you could change one thing about students, what would that be? That's easy. The smell. Chad, it's the smell. <laughs> There's just so much stink all the time. It's not just flatulence. It's B.O. And if it's not B.O., then it's too much body spray. It's all horrible. If they just took showers with soap, everything would be fine. Okay. Okay. Clint, no. Clint, 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 Clint. Okay. We get it. We get it. You have a very sensitive olfactory system. I totally understand. You talk about it all the time. But I was thinking more along the lines of their behavior or maybe their academic skills, you know? One of our former colleagues, uh, Scott Fitchett, would ask teachers, if you could change one thing about students, what would that be? Most teachers would overwhelmingly share that their number one wish was that students would be more self-motivated and that we as teachers wouldn't have to spend so much time motivating, encouraging, coaxing, and sometimes even begging students to try. Yeah, even though every teacher knows when they get into this profession that convincing students to care about their education is going to be part of the job, sometimes it does feel like we spend more time asking kids to get their pencils out than actually teaching content. You know, so today we thought we'd talk about that idea of student motivation. You know, some of the things that can be frustrating 
frustrating on our end, but also some of the strategies that we found to help encourage students to, to get to work. So Clint, tell me, do you experience unmotivated students? And if so, you know, does it wear on you? Absolutely. I have a few classes that are really great and they do what I need them to do. But by the end of the day, my last class of the day, they are done. They're tired. I'm tired. Everybody's not that interested in doing the work that they need to do. And it's really frustrating because they can't get themselves focused and everything that I'm trying to get across that is important for them so that they can do well in their next year's course of studies, they are like, whatever, this doesn't even matter. And that can be really, really frustrating, especially when it's only like three or four kids that are super unmotivated and all they want to do is goof around and it takes away from everybody else in the class's ability to even start being motivated. Because if you have one or two kids that are being obnoxious, then it's really hard for everybody else to focus. So yeah, it's super frustrating. And in fact, I think just last Friday, I looked at everybody and was like, listen, if you don't want to be here, then go because we have work to do. They calmed down, but it was not it was not a shining moment in my teaching career. No, but sometimes you feel like that needs to be said. You know, I, I often think that as teachers, when we got into this, I think we all knew that we were coming into this to inspire. I mean, I, I think that's very different. Like we want to inspire kids, but sometimes it can be such a schlog to try to, you know, on a daily basis, just, you know, like I said, get kids to pull a pencil out. And I think sometimes when we think about how exhausting the job can be, I think a big piece of that is because as teachers, we have to spend so much time doing that. I think that if I spent a full day with fairly highly motivated students, they, I'm not saying that their skill levels need, need to be high. They might be very low in skill, but at least if they were motivated, I think I would leave the day feeling more energized. I had a, a former student who wanted to become an English teacher. She was an English major and she came and observed me for one of those kind of like winter month long observation times when college students are out of school, but high school is still happening. And she came in and I remember about a weekend, she looked at me and she goes, when do you get to start talking about literature? Like really in depth. And I looked at her and I was like, this is the job. This is what you do. All you're doing is trying to get them to pay attention. And she was like, how do you keep that up? And I was like, I don't know. If you don't love being around kids and doing this part, don't become a teacher because you're not teaching content, you're teaching kids. And that can be really discouraging, especially when you are thinking, I love this content. I want to explain it to everybody and get them to love it as much as I do. And they just don't. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes you'll create some lesson or something that you think is going to be really dynamic and you're excited about it and it just doesn't go over that way with students and, and that can be really crushing as well. Oh yeah. I oftentimes will say to students in a perfect world, I shouldn't be working harder than you and I shouldn't be caring more about your grades than you. For some kids, sometimes that hits them a little bit like, wow, you're right. You know, you made the comment that, you know, sometimes you're just like, if you don't want to be here, get out. And I know in some cultures and in some countries, that is very much the attitude and it's very firm. Like, listen, if you're not going to work, that's on you. And I appreciate that. Unfortunately, the way our evaluation system and the way that we are judged as teachers doesn't account for that. You know, ultimately, and especially with us working with high school students, who have kind of made up their mind. You know, they're young adults who are kind of choosing, like, I don't want to do this anymore. It can be really, really frustrating to know that that's kind of part of how we're evaluated and sometimes it's totally out of our hands. I think that it is good that we do everything that we can to teach those kids who are unmotivated. I think that that's the right thing to do because we've got a lot of kids in our classes. Uh, maybe their parents don't have as strong of a expectation of education. Maybe they have a strong expectation of education, but they lack the tools to help their kids along. And so it is up to us to help those kids figure out what they need to do. But, uh, but it, that doesn't make it any less uh, frustrating. 
So we've had a chance to share why as teachers it can be exhausting to feel like we have to constantly keep students on task. But since it's definitely part of the job, uh, Chad, what are some of the things that you do that seem to be effective? You know, just building good relationships I think is really important. Even if the content isn't interesting to a student, I teach Algebra 1 to to high school freshmen, and I would say 70% of those students do not like math. Maybe that's a high number, but most of the students I work with are not fond of math. And so, you know, the first day of school, the first thing I tell them is, I don't expect you to like math, but I hope that coming to this class on a daily basis is not the worst part of your day. Our goal is to make it a place where at least a kid who doesn't care for that content can say, I I like going to that class. It's not so bad. Absolutely. And I think one of the best ways to build those relationships is to be as energetic and, dare I say, entertaining as possible with everything that you do. Really showing your enthusiasm for everything that you are doing makes a big difference for kids if they recognize that you care about it a lot, then it sort of bleeds over. And if you can make the assignments as interesting as possible, it raises the stakes a little bit and makes it more fun. I often think think of teaching as being sort of like a bad stand-up comedian. You're performing all day long in front of a fairly hostile audience trying to coax people along with you as you tell them a story about how a math problem works or how atoms are constructed or why you should care about symbolism. All of those things require a certain amount of personality. We've all had teachers who don't have that personality and we know how easy it is to get bored and to shut down. So performing at a high level every single day It's tiring, but it's super worth it. You know, the other thing that I have found that works in my math classes for, shoot, the last 16 years is trying to build some competition in the things that we do. And, you know, I know sometimes that's a cringeworthy word because some people kind of shy away from competitiveness, but I don't mean like winners and losers necessarily, but we play a lot of math games. Sometimes I'll do class versus class comparison. So, hey, first period has turned in 30% of their homework and second period has turned in 60% of their homework and do some kind of reward system if one period can beat the other. For many, many years, I would go to uh, our local grocery store and and buy um, stickers. And I mean, for with high school kids, I would give kids stickers for different things. It was shocking to me how many kids loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stickers that I would get and they'd put them on their binders and it was kind of a badge of honor. So every kid might be a little bit different, but finding different ways to kind of pique their interest can be a helpful way to get them to learn without them realizing that they're putting in the effort that they are. Incentivizing education beyond just grades, because there are a lot of kids for whom grades don't seem to matter that much. I think sometimes kids need something more quantifiable, like a mark on a board is something you can see. It's nice to see something counting. It gives you an immediate little dopamine hit when you see something like that, as opposed to this is going to serve you in the long term, a long time from now. And for a lot of kids, they just struggle with thinking about any kind of long term goal beyond the end of the day. That's a great segue into the next point. At least once a week for the last 16 years, I've had someone say, when am I ever going to have to use this? I am sure you remember seeing like posters in your math classes in high school where there's this big chart that shows here's all the, the content that you'll learn in math. And then it was like a big grid of, hey, here's different jobs you might have and here's where you would use them and I, I i hate doing that because a lot of the things we do is sometimes really abstract and so the conversation i like to have with kids and it seems to be usually effective is just talking about the idea of we're here to get kind of a holistic education and we want you leaving here brighter young people with a wealth of knowledge in a variety of different areas and a brain that has the ability to problem solve and to critically analyze things and to articulate their thoughts and and all those things come from all the things you're learning in 
high school. It reminds me of exercise, actually. If you are doing push-ups, there's not very many times when you have to do that precise motion in real life. But having the stronger muscles and the lung capacity to do that for a long time will serve you in many different real-world ways. So exercising your brain to be able to problem-solve and think outside the box and whatever else makes a big difference in other aspects of your life where you might not be using particular algebra skills, but you are using your problem-solving skills that you gained from an algebra class. Um, I'm going to have kind of an opposite point of view from the holistic part. When I taught seniors, they feel like they already know everything and they do spend a lot of time going, why do we have to read this book? Why do we care about this literature? And I ended up designing my senior curriculum to have real world applications, uh, particularly as you're getting toward the end of the year. We did a lot of nonfiction reading and discussing how do you exist in the world today and how do you be a good person? And then also how do you use your writing skills to help you get a job and help you do the other things that you would like to do in your life. And that didn't get rid of senioritis, but it certainly helped. If you can figure out a way with your curriculum to design it in such a way that it, it feels like it's pertinent to their lives, it can make a huge difference in getting kids to, to care because they feel like they're making a change or making a difference. Um, a couple other thoughts as we're kind of wrapping this up. Sometimes we have students who are just bored because it's easy enough that it's just boring for students who do really well in some of these content areas. And so it's really important to identify those kids early and find ways to challenge them. I know with me, a lot of times it's just throwing one little question at them as they're wrapping up their lesson for the day or asking them to kind of analyze a, a piece of what we're doing a little bit further than I'd ask other students to do to just kind of keep their interest peaked. And going along with that, you want to make sure that you maintain high expectations for students, but you also recognize that every kid is different and that they have different needs. I remember having a math teacher once in particular who recognized that for some kids, doing the highly repetitive homework was what drilled it into their brains and got it so that they knew what was going on. And that for other students like myself, doing it three times was fine. And I was so angry at having to do the other 15 problems that I just wouldn't do it and then I was failing and so he had kind of a system of once you can do it without having to like go back to your notes do it two more times and then you don't have to do any more of the homework and he kind of left it up to us to figure out where our level was and then if you were not doing well on the test then he would say okay you are reevaluating he had these little goal meetings of like how much homework are you doing and uh, is that working and it was time intensive for him I'm sure to check in with everybody all the time but it did make a big difference for me where I went from hating my math class and hating having to do homework to understanding that homework was important and doing it even though I didn't really love it. The other thing he accomplishes by doing that is like it makes you as a student aware that not everyone has to do it the same way and that it kind of builds a personal awareness in a student of what works best for them. Oftentimes I ask students, what is the best method of learning for you? And I don't know if many of them have thought about that, but when you have a teacher that's kind of guiding you through that and saying, yeah, you think only doing three problems is working for you, but let's look at your test results. I don't know if it is. Let's readjust this. And it's probably in the long term really helped you out in terms of figuring out what you needed to do to learn better. Absolutely. There are so many ideas about how to motivate students. And I know we just barely scratched the surface. I, I mean, people make careers out of this very subject. So what motivational strategies have you found to be successful in your classroom? How do these challenges look different in an elementary or middle school? Please send us your comments and thoughts on Twitter and Facebook at School Japod. We would love to hear from you. Or you can always send us an email at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. And now, a word from another of our sponsors. As any teacher will tell you, the most difficult part of modern education is keeping the attention of today's distracted students. And the number one distraction? Cell phones. Kids today just can't get enough of them. 
But the good people at Pavlov Labs have developed technology that will rid you of this problem forever. Purchase their patent-pending electromagnetic transmitter that builds a static charge in all personal electronic devices within a 40-foot radius. Every time a student reaches for their phone, they will receive not just a new Snapchat message, but a painful shock. Within a week, your students will be too terrified of their devices to do anything but pay attention to you and your enthralling lesson on medieval economic theory. How could any kid resist? Pavlov's phone. Shockingly effective. Phew! We made it to the final segment of the show. Dad, Dad chat. chat. That's right. The time we get to brag about what is happening in our lives that makes us so very happy. I guess I'll go first. So big news in my life. I've been talking a lot about how forensics is the thing that has taken over my entire brain capacity. And it seems to have paid off because we are the 2019 5A Virginia State Champions. Which is pretty exciting for us. It's been a long and kind of crazy journey. It's funny because our team is very much separated into a group of seniors and a group of freshmen with only a couple of sophomores and juniors sprinkled in the middle. So next year is going to be a big building year, but I was very, very pleased to be able to help my, uh, I don't even know how much I helped them, but to <laughs> to maintain the excellence that uh, that those seniors have cultivated over the last several years. Just sort of as a interesting side note, these are some really high-performing and fairly um, economically advantaged children. And would you like to guess where they wanted to stop on their way home after winning the state championship so they could get a celebratory dinner. I'll just throw out McDonald's. It was not McDonald's, but you're on the same level. Here in Virginia, there's a gas station chain, uh, <laughs> like a convenience store chain, called Sheets, which uh-huh. is a hilarious name. <laughs> and you can get food made to order, and you can get milkshakes, and that's their number one thing that they were that the kids were excited about. So one of the things that I have learned is that after a forensics victory, you must stop at Sheets and buy as many milkshakes as you can, and everybody drink them together in celebration. That's awesome. So here's to Sheets and milkshakes and a big state championship. I was a little nervous that you were going to say everyone pours them on each other like they do with the champagne in the locker rooms. But uh... No, thank goodness that is not the case. That would be a waste of good milkshake. Like, I can understand getting rid of champagne. <laughs> Alcohol is gross. But milkshakes? Come on, man. Yeah. Congratulations, though. I mean, you probably are not giving yourself enough credit. At any time anyone's coaching a team, there's, if anything, the amount of time you've put in is so much that you're well-deserving of congratulations as well. And that's uh, super awesome. I'm, I'm super happy for you. Well, thank you. It was a ton of fun. And I think I've said this before. The team has kind of revitalized my love of teaching and being in the school. I'm very, very pleased with with the results. What you got, man? Two Christmases ago, my lovely parents, hi, Larry and Cheryl, they have six grandkids now. You know, for the most part at Christmas time, I think our kids get most of what they want and need. And I think my parents realized that. And so just more stuff wasn't necessary. And and so they they decided that they were going to kind of invest in some family experiences instead of stuff for Christmas gifts. And so a year ago, they got us all a trip to a local water park uh, as a family, which was awesome. It was something my kids still talk about, so it was super fun. And then this year, the Broadway show Aladdin came to Portland. So for our family Christmas present for my parents, we got to go see Aladdin over spring break, which was two weeks ago, I guess, once this airs. And it was so much fun. It was an amazing show. I have not ever seen a Broadway show either in New York or a traveling one anywhere else. And so just to see the quality of singing and dancing and costuming and and all the stuff that goes into such a fantastic performance was 
phenomenal. And then get to experience it with your kids and, and the rest of the family it was really fun. So thank you to my parents, first of all. And it was just a ton of fun. When I saw that you wrote Aladdin on there, I was like, oh, are you excited about the movie? Okay. I'm not as much. Uh, my kids, <laughs> sir, are. But, uh, you know, it's funny, too. We had seen the Aladdin show in California Adventure a couple times when we've gone down to Disneyland. You know, in my mind, I was because that was that was phenomenal. If any of our listeners ever saw that, that was a great show. But uh, this kind of um, put it. I don't want to say put it to shame, but... Uh, but it did. But it did. But it did. Like, the, the Broadway shows are amazing. And as good of talent as you get in Disney World and Disneyland, it's a whole nother level when you get the Broadway traveling shows. And then another whole nother level, I've been told, on Broadway itself. That's our so. next goal. Hey, I do have one more thing. I know as we sit here and record, we're a few days early. But by the time this drops, I'll be a few days late. But happy 40th birthday to to you, Clint. Thank you. I hope you have a really great one. And uh, you're you're 40 now. I know. So that's that's something. Yeah, it's something bad. It <laughs> nah, it's okay. great. Well, we did it. We reached the end of the show. Want to join the conversation on how to light a fire under our unmotivated kids? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooldaypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooldaypod. You can follow me on Instagram at chatterboxes. And please, please visit my web store at chatterboxes.com and feel free to buy something. You can also find me on Twitter at Astoria, And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. Also, my talented wife, Nikki, provided the theme music, as always. And Corey Logan created our cover art and all of our sponsors are fake news. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us. Thanks for listening. See you soon. My bottom smells like toots. Cookie. Elmo? Elmo. Big bird? Big bird. Is this really on it? Abby? Abby. Grover? Grover. Ernie. Ernie.